So there you have it. How many of us would admit, don't, you don't have to raise your hands on this, but you've been distracted. And it's just part of our culture. Um, we can all relate to going to a restaurant. I, I challenge you today, if you're going to go eat after the service, to just watch around the restaurant and see how many people are on their phones. They're there sharing the meal. You know, mealtime is a great time to share your heart and converse and enjoy one another's company, but how many of us have been guilty of watching our phones or working or doing something while we're trying to eat and we're there? Um, my nephew and his wife are here, and Jonathan and I were talking about this. Hand me the microphone, because I've got an important question to ask. He doesn't even know now I'm going to ask this question. So, <laughs> My nephew, Jonathan, is here, and he's a, he's a millennial, right? So I love to be with these kids. I want to ask them questions so I can know what this generation is dealing with. Guys, we need to connect with this generation. And you're not going to know and connect with this generation unless you ask questions. And so we were talking about this proverbial connected but being disconnected at the mealtime. And uh, we were out eating the other night, just a couple of nights ago, and Jonathan said, my wife and I, Savannah, have turned off our phones and we left it. Uncle Bruce, we even left them in the car. And so Jonathan, I want to ask you one question. Come here. This is, my, this is my favorite nephew, by the way. I am, yes. I am, I am very much his favorite nephew. Because I'm his favorite uncle, right? We have, we have a mutual admiration. And if the guys are watching this video, if your brothers are watching the video. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, they will now. But I'm telling you, for, for, for a young uh, millennial couple, they have really got a handle on what it means to live life in the moment and be together. What, what did you tell me? I wanted them to hear you tell me why you left your phone in the car when we were having uh, dinner together. Well, now you put me on the spot. Uh, yeah. Well, because when you have your phone, for us at least, it's, it's always buzzing. Someone's always doing something, and we just don't. Like, really, like, like, really, like, I don't care that you Insta-snapped, mediagrammed your dinner yesterday. I want to be with somebody else, and I want to be in company. And if we drove all the way down here, I don't, like, we, we drove 11 hours to come hang out with them this weekend just because we could, because we had the opportunity to. And it's like, why would I drive down here? And then, I don't even have, I left my phone in the car. This is a perfect example. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to put my phone out and then miss this. Right. And also because this is my favorite uncle, so we like to talk right. about it. <laughs> so. yeah. But you see, I mean, I mean, we're dialoguing here. You can see why there's such a mutual admiration. Yeah. Because we've connected, you know? <laughs> Thank you. That was, that was great. Listen, it was unrehearsed, wasn't it? It was unrehearsed. But we're, we're in sync. We're, it happened because we're in sync, because we've taken the time together to build a bond and a relationship. And guys, it's not about your little device. This is going to be here. How many of you remember? Raise your hand on this one. How many of you remember before, before we ever had a phone at our disposal? Uh, we need a younger crowd, I'm just saying. LAUGHTER 
<laughs> nothing, nothing, against, nothing against you old, you old folks. <laughs> but my, quest, my big question is why do we keep calling them phones when they're not a phone? I mean, the phone is the smallest part, really, of, of what you use it for. It's a computer. Device is a better word, but it's a computer. Um, and I just got the stats on my device, and, and I, I, I spent, you know, time on it this past week. Um, you know, it, it, it tells me what kind of time I'm spending on it. That's a, that's a good app to have so that you can control the time that you are looking looking at it. I was trying to find the stat, but it's too deep to even go in there. It actually tells me how many times I picked it up. Yeah. And so you can actually go in there and limit. This is the new iOS 12, by the way, if you have an Apple phone. You can actually go in there and tell it that, you know, if I'm, if I'm overusing it, I'm going to put a, a fence around it or a, a stop to it. And... Um, I think the world is catching up to this, hey, we're out of control here. And we really need to put boundaries around technology rather than technology just running us wild. So if you have your notes, we're going we're gonna to pray. And yes, the message has already started, but we're going to pray right here. Lord, thank you. For your word, because without your word, we can't, we can't see what we need to see. And so we ask you to, to illuminate your word to us and help us understand. Give us a heart to understand and know how you see these things so that we're not so distracted. Help us today, Father, uh, to see how to deal with this distraction and overcome it. Thank you for your word that clearly defines why we're here and who we are and how to overcome distraction. In Jesus' name. 1 Peter 4, 7. This is our, kind of our foundational scripture, guys. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, you can read it there on your notes, the end of all things is near. This is Peter speaking by the inspiration of the Spirit. 2,000 years ago, he said the end of all things is near. Now, in his lifetime, he saw that, but uh, we have to remember that the way that God sees time is not the way that we see time. A day is as a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years is as a day. And so we really need to adjust our viewpoint of time, because God accurately sees time, and realize that we have a limited time on this earth. So if we realize that the end of all things is near... We need to be clear-minded and self-controlled so that we can pray. And I said, you know, you can, you can do the, the opposite on this verse and say, okay, if, if I'm not praying, it's, it may be because I'm distracted. I'm not self-controlled and I'm not clear-minded. So today we're going to talk about dumping di distractions. Dumping distractions. How do we dump the distractions? How do we live on purpose, with a purpose, and become clear-minded. Being clear-minded requires a great measure of self-control. And I believe it's a challenge in our day to be clear-minded because there's so many distractions, more distractions than ever. 
Distraction comes from the Latin root word to separate or to pull apart, to divide, to separate. So the very word distraction is uh, to divide your attention, right? It, it, it reminds me of the example of the, of the lion tamer. The lion tamer comes out with a chair with four uh, legs. This will do. This bench will do. He's got a whip in one hand and a chair in the other. And he comes at the lion with this chair. And there are four legs on the chair. And he's pushing this chair in the face of the lion. And the lion becomes paralyzed because he's looking at all four of the ends of the chair at one time and doesn't know what to do. So it's that distraction, it's that distraction that causes our focus to become divided and we become confused. Write that word down. Because distraction leads to confusion. And we're unsure about what to do next. Distractions divide you so that you're pulled away from the things that are most important. And when you're pulled away from the things that are most important... No one gets the best part of you. We see people, like we said all the time, eating out with their loved ones around the table, and they're really not there. They're answering emails and sending chats and texts and everything. So it's no, no wonder why we feel in our families like we're getting the leftovers of each other, because we get distracted. And our attention has gone so many different ways. So we have to be an int- intentional about our in- uh, attention. And the more that we did get distracted, the more that all of our relationships suffer, especially our relationship with God. Right? The more we become distracted from God and His purpose, like we discovered the first week, we, we, we miss His purpose and His plan for our life. The more distracted we become, the more divided and confused we become. And our relationship with God suffers. So there's three steps towards dumping this distraction. Number one, we're in a spiritual battle. We need to know that we're in a spiritual battle. We need to realize and recognize that it's not just a technology problem. It's not just a social media problem. It's not just an attention span problem or a relationship problem. All those are valid problems from distraction, but it's a devil and a sin problem. It's a devil and a sin problem because we're in a spiritual battle. Every day you wake up, you're in a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 talks about the armor of God. If there was no need for the armor of God, or if if we weren't in a battle, there would be no need for the armor of God, right? So the, the, the Word of God says that we should put on the full armor. Don't leave off your breastplate. Or you'll forget that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Don't leave off the helmet of salvation. Because the helmet keeps the fiery darts from confusing you and confounding you. Stick up your shield of faith. Put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the enemy. There is an enemy. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. And he doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. He uses everything that he can. 
in the natural realm and the supernatural realm. If you're a follower of Christ, you recognize that we are living right now, present tense, in two different worlds. We're in the natural. You can see me here, but I am a spirit being, and so I have a spiritual place in a spiritual realm right now. And right here in this place, there are spiritual beings, right? <laughs> and uh, we, we need to know. We need to remember. We need to recognize and realize and remind ourselves that there's an enemy and he uses evil spirits to influence and to distract us. We're in a war. This spiritual enemy has a spiritual army of evil spirits that are working hard to draw us off of God, God's plan. You know, and if the devil fails to keep you from becoming born again, he has plan B. And that is to distract you so much that you quit pursuing God and you become a lukewarm believer. The enemy uses distractions to detour you. Back in nineteen eighty. Three, I was uh, newly introduced to the ministry in that day. That was, wow, how many years ago? I don't even want to do the math. But I was headed from Atlanta to Dallas with a van load of youth for youth camp in the summertime. And so I was driving because it was my turn to drive. And the youth leader was sitting in the seat beside me. I was just the assistant. I was just there to help and do whatever he told me to do. So he said, drive. So we get back up on the road and we're driving and he falls asleep because he's tired. He drove all the way from Atlanta. And you know, when you're leaving for youth camp, you wake up before dawn and try to get out so that you can get to your destination. So we get around Mississippi and uh, we are there in Mississippi and we're headed on the highway and for some reason, I don't know what the reason was, but I got on the wrong road. And an hour and a half later, when the leader woke up, he said, where are we? And I said, well, I don't know. I haven't seen a sign for a little bit, but wait. And the, <laughs> the next sign we saw were we were getting close to New Orleans. <laughs> so I was actually an hour and a half off off the right path because I was distracted. I took a detour. And it took an hour and a half to get back on the right road. Listen, if you get distracted, you'll get detoured. Right? And I wasn't everyone's favorite person that weekend. I didn't gain any points for taking us three hours out of the way, I can tell you. And I've never forgotten that illustration either. I lived it very well. So listen, the enemy and sin is coming at you f and for you every day, every day. There's always a temptation to sin hidden in the distraction. Actually, temptation leads to sin. If you think back in uh, Genesis chapter 4, uh, Cain and Abel, and how Cain sinned because what he brought to the Lord was you can study, study it out. There's been, you know, discussions, discrepancies about what, what and why and how. But there, there was sin there. I want us to look at verse 7 of Genesis 4. And it says, uh, God is speaking to Cain. And he says, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? Because that was the, 
the point of his offering. It wasn't accepted. But Cain didn't bother to ask the Lord, why didn't you accept my offering? He, he became offended and he became angry. And that led, that anger led to sin. So God is asking, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And so we can notice something from this verse that sin is crouching. Sin is, the, the Hebrew word there is lurking. Lurking. Lurking means it's looking for you. Like a snake looks to bite its prey, right? The message version uh, or the message transliteration says it in this way. I like it. Sin is lying in wait for you, ready to pounce. Ready to pounce. It's out to get you. And you've got to master it. So sin does two things. Sin does two things. It minimizes itself. Sin loves to minimize itself, excusing itself. And you hear people say, you know, you know, I may have a temper problem, but I'm just being real. I just have to be real. I just, I have to do me. I just got to do me. I'm not rude. I'm direct. You know? Excusing, excusing sin. I'm not greedy. Here's a good one. I'm just super frugal. I'm not religious. I'm just trying to imitate Jesus. Right? Sin loves to minimize itself. We call it issues. We don't want to call it sin. So sin is lying in wait to take a bite out of you, like a snake. It's crouching at your door. Number two, uh, the second thing that sin does is it disguises itself. It desires you, that, that scripture says. Sin desires it. That word lust, to have a strong desire for you. Uh, sin disguises itself by laying low, by hoping you don't recognize it. Proverbs 7, this chapter talks about the adulterous woman and the way she looks trying to disguise herself as a lover that is interested in you, young men. Verse 7, it says, I saw among the simple. Here, Proverbs 7, 7 says, I saw among the simple and I noticed the young men, a youth who had no sense. <laughs> that, that word no sense is naive, mindless, and empty-headed. Empty-headed. Driven by testosterone, raging in those male genes, Right? But nothing up here. And this adulterous woman recognizes and seduces. Right? Because if you read, I'm not going to read the whole chapter of, uh, of Proverbs 7. But this young man, unsuspecting, naive, empty-headed, goes down the wrong road. And that's the illustration I want to get to. The road to sin is paved by temptation. In verse 25, you, know, you can read the verses before 7 talk about the warning. Hey, wake up, listen to my word, take my word, my commands, and you'll be wise. But if you have no sense, you'll walk down the wrong road 
where there's temptation, and in the end, you're going to get trapped in sin, right? Verse 25 says, do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. You may think that she's only, it doesn't say this in the word, but this is my, my paraphrase. You may think that she's only after your body, but really sin is after your heart. You know, sin has a road that's paved with temptation. We may reason. Well, this road's like any other road, right? Or there's nothing wrong with walking down this road. Or even if there is something down this road, I'm too strong. I can overcome this temptation. But you're not stronger than the temptation. If you think in yourself that you can handle it, right? So, on this road of sin, it's paid by temptation. A temptation that you're unaware of is always a trap of the enemy. We need to wake up and know. Recognize the disguise. We have to wake up and become aware that we're in a war and that sin desires us so that we don't walk down the road, get distracted, and enter into this place of sin. You know, change is impossible without self-awareness. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We need to be self-aware. But we also need relationship, and that's why we encourage you to get involved in in a small group because we need to make relationships and connect with others that can help us see that we're just about to walk down the wrong road, right? We didn't establish a small group ministry in in Lifeway Church so that we could grow the church. We're interested more in growing you as a person so that we grow in relationship with the body of Christ so that we can grow in our individual relationship with God. And it's all about connection. I need somebody to tell me that I'm about to step down the wrong road, guys, right? It's important. We need others to help us see what we don't see. That's called accountability. Others help us see what we don't see. I I like to use the analogy of the pole and the splinter. You know, people say, well, don't judge because you have a pole in your eye and, you know, the other person only has a splinter. But listen, the the whole point of all of that is not who has the pole, who has the splinter. Listen, we both need help. (laughs) anything in your eye is bad, right? And I can only help you, even though you might have a little splinter in your eye, if I take the pole out of my own eye. Guys, right? So let's help each other. Let's be accountable. Let's be connected with each other. Number two, how do we dump distractions? Set your mind. Set your mind. Now, if you look in Matthew 16, and you can study this out this week, you see this, the, the, the account of Peter and how Peter recognized. Jesus said to his disciples, hey, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do, you say, who, who do men say that I am? First he said, you know, who do, men, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter spoke up, the very first one, and said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right? And Jesus commended him. Said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. He revealed that to you. So... 
In an instant, Peter was recognized to receive a download from God, a spiritual download, a revelation, an understanding that the other guys, if they had it, they didn't speak up. So Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, because he had that revelation. Then in verse 23 of the very same chapter, Jesus is rebuking the spirit behind Peter. Get behind me, Satan, because Peter's saying, Jesus, no, you don't have to leave us. When Jesus was telling them that he had to leave. So there you can see clearly that Peter spoke from the spirit first and then from the flesh. He spoke from the, the spirit first and then from the flesh. And so Jesus follows that up in verse 23 of Matthew 16. And he makes this statement. After he says, get thee behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have a mind in the concerns of God, but merely the human concerns. So your mind is concerned with either God or yourself. It's either God or yourself. You think about light switches. There's a light switch that turns on or off. There's one that we, we like because this is like, um, <laughs> it's, we want to make the adjustment. The slider. We prefer the slider to the on and off. But actually, God says you're either hot or cold. We like to say, well, you know, God, I'll just make a slight adjustment here and there when God is saying, hey, it's either on or it's off. It's either God or it's the flesh, right? Either you're setting your mind on things above or you're thinking about yourself, what you need, what you're going to do. And, and that's the challenge for today. Listen. Where's your mind set? Look at Romans 8, 5. Romans 8, 5, New International Version says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The message says it like this. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, and ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he's doing. So there's only two options, guys. God or yourself. Spirit or flesh. And like I said with the slider, sometimes, you know, we, it, it's easy to try to remain neutral. You know, we say things like, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it when I have to. I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Or... Sometimes people say, you know, I just take the path of least resistance. The more that you take the path of least resistance, the more and more unclear and confusing, confusing your life will become. Right? How many of us find ourselves just, just we're, we're content with just doing the next thing. Just doing, doing, just doing the next thing. That'll get you into trouble. So, uh, years ago, when 
Elizabeth was growing up, there were times where I would go to the grocery store. Elizabeth was the first one in the car. Dad's going to the grocery store. Can anybody guess? Fathers, why your children love to go to the grocery store with you. Because I would never ask my wife for the list, and she couldn't text it to me back in those days. And I would end up in the grocery store with a cart full of stuff that Elizabeth and I wanted (laughs) that mom never signed on for. I would get back to the house, and the questions would would begin as I unloaded the groceries. And I was ready for it because I had done it many times. (laughs) Why did you buy this? We never even bought this. And Elizabeth and I are like cheering. Yay! (laughs) We need to try it. We need to try it. You know, after $150 worth of groceries that we really didn't need. And you know, those things that you just try, you take a couple of bites out of them and throw the whole box away. You know, it's like, I'll never get that again. But guys, the point is, if we take the path of least resistance and we don't have a plan and we're not intentional, then it's easy to get distracted And things on the shelf begin to speak to you. (laughs) Eat me, eat me. Calling your name. Hey. (laughs) So listen, it takes effort. It takes effort. If you want to be a person that follows Christ, then it's going to take effort on your part. You're going to have to focus your mind on what God wants you to do. Not what you want to do. There's no room uh, for getting caught in the middle of the road. You know what the middle is called? No man's land. You need to choose you this day whom you will serve, right? Be hot or be cold. Jesus even says in Revelation that, you know, if you're lukewarm, then I, I don't have any pleasure in that. Be hot, be hot, choose. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind. It is emphatic. It is a command. It's a direct verb that is, requires action. It's not an option. So you should not pray, God help me think on those things that you want me to think on. Right? Because anything unbridled must be taken control of. I have two standard poodles that I walk every day. One is 75 pounds, one is 55 pounds. And they've got four legs apiece. That's eight legs and a bunch of muscle. And I weigh 162. And so I'm walking these dogs. Listen, I have a lot of illustrations about walking dogs. But anything unbridled is going to cause you problems. Even if you have them bridled, sometimes you encounter problems. Solomon and Sophie, my dogs, can spot a squirrel that I never even knew existed. And they won't tell me, hey, we're getting close to the squirrel. So every now and then, I get shocked, like, and I'm, and I'm leaning back, pulling them back, and they're jumping up in the air. They're probably laughing at me, right? Like, and the squirrel's laughing at them. But we go through this. You know, anything that, that, that is out of control needs to be brought back. 
right? You'll not, you won't forget that illustration too soon. Listen, the point is your heart will follow your focus. Your heart will follow your focus. What are you focused on? What is your mind set on? Bridle it. Bring it back. Don't allow your mind to be foggy, confused, and controlling you. You need to control your mind. Set your mind on things above. Number three, reprioritize. Reprioritize. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we're, so, we're surrounded by such a, a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw everything off that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So there are things, temptations, that lead to sin, but that temptations seek to entangle you, to distract you, to slow you down. I like the first part of that verse, and I was studying this, and I never saw this before, but, you know, we've always heard it taught that there's a gray cloud of witnesses already in heaven watching us. But listen, guys, there's a great cloud of witnesses watching you on earth. There are people watching you and how you deal with temptation, how you deal with distraction. When you say you're a Christ follower, they're looking, how close is this person following Christ? When you call Jesus your Lord, what does that mean? Does he have control over you or are you just kind of, yeah, when it's convenient? I'll read a scripture here, read a scripture there. Yeah. I'll live for him when it's convenient. No. We have to be adamant and intentional about throwing everything off that hinders so that it doesn't lead to sin and so that we can run our race unentangled because distractions hinder you from moving forward in God. And while they may not stop you, they will slow you down. And so today it's time to throw some things off. Are you ready? You didn't come to just hear a good message. You came to be challenged, right? That's why, that's why I can talk to you in this way. I made a deal with the Lord. I'm not going to give flowery messages. Three points in a poem and go home. Listen, we, we, there's a call to action. I want you to know something. I want you to feel something. Then I want you to do something. Right? So it's time to do something. It's time to throw some of these things off. Here's a big question, guys. It's in your notes. What can you live without? A great illustration from my favorite nephew. I don't need this phone. Where's his phone? He's not down on the front row texting all of his friends and taking pictures of his favorite uncle and sending them all of... (laughs) The question, what, do, do you have the device or does the device have you? What can you do without? How, how often can you set it aside rather than, oh man, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Let it ring. Listen, I'll let mine ring and let somebody else answer it and, you know, hey, pastor, you left your phone over here. Good, good. <laughs> because it's, it's constantly calling me, right? It's like, wow, can I ever get rid of this thing? So I, I see the other side of it. I know it's important that I respond. But listen, don't draw me out of the, pay, uh, the, 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 the place of peace and the pace of ple- peace. Say that three times fast. 
We've got we to find that pace, uh, a place of peace and run our race in the pace of peace. Right? Find it and stay there. We can do, do without some things. And, and think about it. A racer, somebody that's racing, gets down to their racing weight. They're going to get lean. I mean, take that, that illustration alone for our spiritual lives. How much fluff are we reading? And listen, there's a lot of things that I could get interested in that seem Christian or that are written by Christian authors and leave the Word of God for last. Right? I can feed more on books that talk about the Bible than the Bible itself. Anybody follow me? Think about what you're allowing in your eyes, your ears, in your mind. Set your mind on things above. Reprioritize. Whenever we start asking the questions, what can we live without? We're in a place for God to speak to us about reprioritizing our lives. Remember that racers get lean. They're looking to drop weight, not gain weight before uh, 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 a, a run. They're looking to move things off of their body. You know, if you're, if you're a swimmer, and uh, I know this because way back in the day, I guess it was B-76 or so, even back in 76, the young men were shaving the hair off their arms and their legs, those of us that had hair on our legs at 13 years old, to try to get more um, glide through the water. Right? Getting rid of everything that would try to hold you back. Get lean. Get lean. And this is what we're going to do in August 6th, our uh, first week in August, from August 6th to August 26th. 21 days of prayer. You're going to have a prayer guide that you can use to help you so that it's not, it's not just a blank piece of paper. Right? Because that can be intimidating sometimes. But we're going to give you a guide that can help you pray through 21 days. And listen, if you're not praying every day, that's a, good, that's a good time to start. Start August 6th and pray every day, even if it's five minutes. Start where you are. Give God your time. Prioritize Him in your life. Because dumping distractions will make us clear-minded, self-controlled, and will reignite our passion to pursue God. Dumping these distractions makes us clear-minded, self-controlled, and it reignites our passion to pursue God. There's three questions that I want to leave you with. It's right there on your notes, so you have them. You don't have to worry about what I'm saying and try to write it down while I'm saying it. How do you start your day? How do you start your day? Is it like after hitting the snooze button five times? You realize that, man, i got to jump up because I'm going to be late because of the traffic, because of this, because of that, and i got to feed the dog and let them out and do all that. How, do you anticipate being in front of the day and getting a jump on the day, or is it just from the very get-go, you're behind the eight ball, you're behind, and you're trying to catch up? Let's reprioritize. Number two, who gets the best part of you? Are you connected with those around you? 
How connected, how deeply connected are you with those around you? Are you able to say no to your phone when it beeps and you feel, oh, I've got to check it. Something happened. You know, you can, I know this for a fact, Apple or Android, you can turn off those alerts. Right? And most, I'm going to say this with a certain amount of certainty, most of the emails you get don't require responding. Right? Who gets the best part of you? Number three, where do your thoughts rest? What is your default? What, what, what consumes the majority of your thought life? Is it the next thing you're going to buy? If it is, that's called materialism. The next house I'm going to live in, the next car I'm going to drive, the next thing I'm going to buy when I get a little bit of extra cash. What occupies your, your thought life? Or is it the people around you that need your care, your compassion, your love, your prayer? Are we thinking about who we're praying for? During this time from August 6th to August 26th, we're going we're gonna to pray specifically for five people that are a long way from God that they would begin to follow God. And I use that general term, follow God, because listen, if they're not converted, if they're not born again, they need to at least begin to follow God. Right? So five people that you know are a long way away from God that need to begin to turn their life toward God. Let's pray for those people, specifically, intentionally, for 21 days. 21 days. So that we get the focus off of ourself. We're going to start a series next week called Frequency. We're going to talk about how God speaks to us and how we hear the voice of God. And so that's going to carry us through these 21 days of prayer and fasting. And listen, I'm, I'm going to challenge you to fast things that really matter to you. You know, I hear people, when we, we fast in January, and this year we're starting to fast now in August. So two times a year, because we go in seasons, guys. Listen, we're, we're winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, fall, and in our individual life and our church life. And so we need a reset in August. You know, school's starting back up. The kids, I mean, life is, is going to engage again here in August. So we need to set aside our time and... Come away with the Lord so that we can hear clearly about the second half. We're already in the second half of 2018. We need a reset. And so I'm going to challenge you to lay aside something, not just something easy. Listen, if, if, if you're dealing with uh, diabetes, think seriously about laying aside sugar. Check it out with your doctor. Make sure that you check your... I know if you're a diabetic and you have to take insulin, you're checking your blood. Listen, God can, God can work with you to perform a miracle in your body, but you've got to challenge yourself. I find far, far too many times when we challenge ourselves, we, we think we can only do this when God is calling us to do this. Now, what I'm not saying is throw away your medication. No. No. Do not do that to prove anything to anybody. 
right? You need to be under the care of someone. This is what we teach in healing, by the way. Guys, listen, don't be foolish. Do not be foolish. But we should challenge ourselves to come up. Come up. If you're here, come up. If you're here, come up. Right? Dump the distractions. Let's dump the distractions. Go all in and watch Jesus, what, what he'll do in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you.